Welcome to Across the Street, your one-stop shop for all things inpatient medicine at the Durham VA, from faculty and staff who know it and love it just as much as you do. Hi, I'm Daphne Friedman. I'm a hematologist and medical oncologist at the Durham VA Medical Center. Today I'm going to be talking about how to approach acute anemia. I want to just jump in by talking about some definitions. So um, first of all, the definition of acute. What we're talking about is something that occurred recently, but that can be difficult because difficult to figure out sometimes because um, you're going to want to have a baseline CBC to compare the CBC that you're looking at, um, and you'd want to see that there's something, um, a recent CBC that was normal, optimally. Um, if there isn't a recent CBC, then it can be unclear if the worsening anemia or new anemia was a recent insult or something subacute or if it was chronically worsening. Because sometimes the timing of anemia can be unclear, for the most part I'll cover acute anemia, but I'll also touch on some other um, anemia entities that can be more chronic in nature, and that might be helpful when you evaluate a patient who has anemia. So the second definition that I want to go over is what exactly is anemia. So what I'm referring to is a low red blood cell level. And there are different ways of measuring a red blood cell level. So first of all, a lot of people look at hemoglobin, which is the main um, value that I use to, um, to think about what the red blood cell level is. And... Um, just as a note to yourself, if you look at the units, that's gram, it's hemoglobins in grams per deciliter, um, with another way of saying it's the mass of hemoglobin divided by the volume of blood. Um, then sometimes people will use hematocrit as a way to measure the red blood cell level, and that's a percentage or a volume fraction, which is another way of saying the percent of the total volume of blood that's taken up by red blood cells. And as you probably know, that um, typically the hematocrit is three times the hemoglobin. Um, but if you think about um, or look at the units of hemoglobin and hematocrit, you might realize that there might be certain situations where the two are not totally concordant. For example, if the size of the red blood cells change, um, but the amount of hemoglobin doesn't, or vice versa. There's some other um, indices in the CBC that are helpful when I think about anemia, and these include the RDW, which stands for red cell distribution width, and that has to do with how much variation there is in the red blood cell size. Um, a second one that I look at is um, MCV, or mean corpuscular volume. It's the average size of red blood cells. Um, the MCHC is the mean corpuscular hemoglobin concentration, which is the average amount of hemoglobin in the red blood cells. And then I also look at the reticulocyte counter percentage. Different people have different, um, like some people like to look at count, some people like to look at percentage. I prefer percentage. And that's the amount of immature red blood cells circulating in the blood. So um, now that we've kind of defined our, the different entities, we can talk more about anemia. And um, when I see a patient who has anemia, of course, I'll think about the history of present illness um, 
obviously, if there's melanin or hematochesia, that's going to lead you down one specific um, direction to, eval- to, to determine the cause of the anemia. Um, a past history of anemia can be helpful if this happened before and then recurred or it's been um, a chronic um, presence of anemia. The review of systems, um, is there easy bruising or bleeding? Um, does the patient have pica symptoms, um, which would be eating non-food items like clay, dirt, talc powder, ice, or orange peels? Does the patient have neuropathy? On physical examination, a pa- patient might have pallor. There might be a systolic flow murmur. And then when we look at the lab values, for the purposes of the rest of this talk, we're going to think about situations where the red blood cell level is low, so the hemoglobin or hematocrit is low, but the white blood cells and platelet counts are normal um, because the evaluation of pancytopenia is a totally different topic. So we look at the patient's um, lab values on the CBC. The hemoglobin and hematocrit are low. The patient is now defined as having anemia. And then we start to look at some of those other indices. Um, What's the MCV and what's the reticulocyte count? And I often calculate a corrected reticulocyte count. I take the reticulocyte percentage and then correct it for the patient's level of anemia, which then tells me if the anemia is hypoproliferative or hyperproliferative. Let's talk about some different situations. One of the easiest ones is microcytic. So the patient has a low hemoglobin, the MCV is low, and the two main options that I'm thinking about are, are iron deficiency anemia or thalassemia. Some rare other causes include copper deficiency or anemia of chronic disease. In iron deficiency, there's a low MCV, a low MCHC, and a low reticulocyte count and the RDW may be normal to elevated. There may be a history of blood loss. For most of the patients that we see at the VA who are men, it's gonna be a GI cause. For women, we're also thinking about um, gynecologic causes, and then less commonly would be intra-abdominal or retroperitoneal bleeding. When we look at a blood film, we'll see hypochromia, uh, which is pale red blood cells with increased central pallor, microcytosis, which is small red blood cells, and cigar-shaped red blood cells. Um, there may be variation in the size of the red blood cells and increased number of platelets. One thing that I also want to stop right now to just talk about is how to interpret an iron panel. I feel like a lot of the consultations that we get um, indicate to me that practicing internists sometimes don't have a good understanding of how to interpret an iron panel. A low ferritin is highly sensitive for iron deficiency. Regardless of the results of the rest of the iron panel, if the ferritin is low, the patient must have iron deficiency. Um, But since ferritin is an acute phase reactant, an elevated ferritin does not rule out iron deficiency. When a patient has iron deficiency, oftentimes you'll see in the iron panel, the iron and the iron saturation are low, and then you'd see the TIBC and transferrin are elevated. Sometimes I'll see that the iron and iron saturation levels are low, but the TIBC and transferrin are not elevated. And then if the ferritin's not low, I don't think the patient has iron deficiency. So a lot of the management of iron deficiency anemia boils down to um, where is the bleeding coming from and trying to stop the bleeding. So that might mean a consultation with gastroenterology or with the gynecologists. 
And aside from that, we try to replete the iron either with oral iron, which should be taken on an empty stomach with vitamin C, or with IV iron. I just want to touch for a moment on thalassemia because it's often confused with iron deficiency anemia. However, when you look at the CBC, typically in thalassemia, the MCV is lower than in iron deficiency anemia, um, but the MCHC is not as low, and the RDW is going to be more on the low normal side. The platelet count is normal. It's not a cause of acute anemia. It's a genetic condition. The patient may give a history of always having been anemic. Um, and it's really important to differentiate from iron deficiency because thalassemias can cause iron overload due to ineffective hematopoiesis and history of transfusion. So if you give those patients oral iron, it can worsen the iron overload and it can deposit in, in, in um, organs and cause problems. And in a patient with thalassemia, the iron panel and the ferritin are normal, and uh, you may need to do a hemoglobin electrophoresis or alpha globin sequencing. And if you find it, you would, um, might refer the patient for genetic counseling, and you would stop giving iron. Now I'd like to turn to talk about macrocytic anemia. In this case, the patient has anemia with a low hemoglobin, but the MCV is elevated. And here there are also several options that are pretty easy to evaluate. One is B12 deficiency, also folate deficiency, hypothyroidism, alcoholism or liver disease, copper deficiency, myelodysplastic syndrome, and cold agglutinin hemolytic anemia. The tests I check offhand when there's an elevated MCV with anemia are B12, folate, TSH, methylmalonic acid, homocysteine, copper, a blood film, and a direct antiglobulin test, which is also known as a Coombs test. The patient may give a history of neurologic symptoms, symptoms of hypothyroidism, such as dry hair, or skin, and constipation, or possibly a past medical history of daily alcohol use or cirrhosis. Recently, I've been checking the methylmalonic acid and the homocysteine levels together with B12 and folate. This is because I've come to realize recently that um, the B12 measurement includes all the B12 in the serum, some of which may be protein-bound and not bioavailable. And it doesn't measure cellular B12, which is actually the active form of B12. So a patient may have a normal B12 level and still have a functional B12 deficiency. If the methylmalonic acid and homocysteine levels are elevated, this tells you the patient is functionally B12 deficient. If the folate level is low, the homocysteine level would be elevated, but not the methylmalonic acid. And this almost never happens because bread and cereal are fortified with folate. So it's pretty uncommon for someone to not be eating any of those items and to not have enough folate. But sometimes you'll see a normal folate level, but um, the homocysteine level is elevated, and that can be for other reasons like familial reasons, genetic reasons for elevated homocysteine levels, which is a cardiac risk factor. When I look at a blood film for patients who have macrocytic anemia, I could get some clues that might help me pin the diagnosis down on one of the different etiologies. For example, if the patient has B12 or folate deficiency, they would have hypersegmentation of their nuclei of the neutrophils. In liver disease, there'd be Burr cells. 
in myelodysplastic syndrome, there would be hyposegmentation of the nuclei of the neutrophils. And in cold agglutinin hemolytic anemia, I'd see clusters of red blood cells. Lastly, I'd like to talk about normocytic anemia. Um, in this case, the hemoglobin is low, but the MCV is normal. Um, this is kind of, uh, in some ways, the most difficult group of anemias to pin an etiology on. And when I try to figure it out, I'll use the reticulocyte count to help me. So if the reticulocyte count is high um, when it's corrected for the level of anemia, it tells me that there's destruction going on. And I'll look for that by testing for a direct antiglobulin test or Coombs test, haptoglobin, LDH, a bilirubin, fractionated in total, and I'll look at a blood film. And causes could be warm agglutinin hemolytic anemia, a microangiopathic hemolytic anemia, including DIC or TTP, or a prosthetic heart valve that's shearing red blood cells. Um, if the reticulocyte count is low, it's telling me that there's the bone marrow is hypoproliferative and it's not effectively making cells. And um, then some tests that I'll check include an SPEP and a serum-free light chain, an ESR and a CRP, erythropoietin level, and sometimes think about infectious causes like parvovirus, viral hepatitides, or H. pylori. And truthfully, I just check all the tests together because sometimes you'll have mixed causes of anemia, so I don't want to miss anything, so I just check everything. So to wrap things up, I want to leave you with four take-home points. Uh, first is, despite what I've told you is um, with a step-by-step -step evaluation of anemia, um, from the get-go, I'll order almost all the tests initially with a shotgun approach. And this is because I see patients in the clinic and I have one chance to get their blood drawn. Um, if you're evaluating a patient who's an inpatient, you may have a better ability to order tests in a stepwise manner. I'd encourage you to... Um, try to interpret iron studies and get good at that because, as I said, it can be an area of confusion. Um, third, I encourage you to check the methylmalonic acid and homocysteine levels in addition to B12 and folate when evaluating for macrocytic anemia. And lastly, I've found the blood film to be very helpful and I encourage you to get that and look at it yourself to help you um, in your evaluation of patients with anemia. I want to end with the following disclaimer that the views and opinions that I've stated during this podcast are my own and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Department of Veterans Affairs or the Durham VA Hospital. Please come and get me if you have any um, interesting patients with anemia and you'd like assistance, and I hope to be talking with you soon. Thanks. <laughs>